1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hi, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I am Ben. Ben, super excited about today's topic, and I bet you are
3: too. Yeah, no, we've done similar stuff before, Scott. Uh, Even before we partnered up with our world-famous super producer, Noel Brown. We had done notable cars in movies, right? Mm -hmm, Sure. We had done a listener mail edition just about movie cars. Yes. Uh, And we've done some stuff about police chases, too. Yeah, actual chases. Actual, real-life chases. Real-life chases. O.J. Simpson to, um, I think we mentioned a couple times in our lives that we've seen police chases. Sure.
2: Yep, yep, but uh, we have never covered the two combined. We've never done movie car chase scenes. I don't know how that's evaded us for the last, what, seven years or something like that?
3: Yeah, especially considering how fun it was to just uh, sit at our desk, at our office, and watch car chases. Oh, yeah, and I want to point something out, though. Remember when we were doing
2: all the sponsorships and we had, um, you know, some of them were Audible, of course, but we also did some Netflix stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And some of the Netflix picks that we had, you know, for as part of that advertisement, I would search out some movies that I remember from the past, you know, that, that had some amazing chase scenes, and we would talk about them. We talked about the cars involved, we talked about the background vehicles and all that, and and so I feel like we've talked about some of this already, but not entirely, uh, you know, not not all of them were available on Netflix, you know, when we had that sponsorship. So these are some additional ones that we never got to talk about.
3: Right, and listeners, we're hoping that you will. Check this out along with us and tell us at the end if there's anything that you think other listeners need to know about. Because I'll tell you right now, Scott, we're not going to get to all of the great car chases in films, you know?
2: No, exactly. And, you know, some people are going to argue with the ones that we do pick because they won't like them for whatever reason, whether it's the cars involved. Uh, you know the uh the, the surrounding story. If, you know if they don't like the film itself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's just there's a lot of dispute back and forth. Which is the best one? I don't know if I can even name the best one. I've been watching these all week. Actually, about a week and a half, I've been watching car yeah, chase films.
3: Yeah, people have said that there are clear um kings of each category, but they have so many different categories. Like, f- is this the first? recorded car chase ever is this the first modern car chase in a film which we will talk about um is this the best one involving you know uh fictional vehicles is this the best one with uh real life precision
2: driving sure yeah and, and did the actors do the driving themselves or was it stunt drivers and how much of the uh, how much of this was real because as we go through this this is incredible i've been Looking at a lot of the information, you know, the background information on all these chase scenes, and you know, as far as like permits being pulled and all that kind of stuff, and some of these, some of these didn't have the necessary permits. So a lot of the action that's involved, you know, if it, if it, there's a collision with a light pole, it's a real collision with a light pole, and yeah. occasionally some uh, some innocent bystanders get involved, and you know, things are worked out in the end. But um, we'll try to note some of those as we go through. Ben, I, I wanted to before we even really jump into our first movie pick or whatever. Uh huh. Because uh, we're just going to kind of ping pong back and forth with with some thoughts, um, I just wanted to say that you know watching all these clips, you know, I, I noticed mm-hmm. that in the nineteen seventies and the early nineteen eighties, I would guess, um, there was this this trend towards almost like demolition derby style pile ups of. of police cars in a lot of films (laughs) a lot of films i mean it's more than just the ones that we're going to mention today because there's a few but it became like a mark of
3: authenticity
2: i guess so yeah and it's always police cars that are involved because they're chasing the suspect whoever it is right and and i mean i haven't seen anything like that recently i've seen a lot of destruction in films but not quite the same way it was back in the late 70s or early 1980s when uh, you would have you know 50 police cars that end up in an intersection just you know laying on top of each other and rolling over and sliding over the entire pile and uh-huh. just incredible scenes, just amazing stuff like that. So it's been since then that we've really haven't had these, um, I guess these demolition derby style chase scenes. Right. Um, also with, uh, and I wanted to point this out because I was thinking about this on the way in this morning. I was driving in heavy traffic, right? <laughs> yeah. And And, uh, you know, while we were watching some of these on our desktops, you know, and, you know, film clips, or whatever, along, you know, some of the suggested videos along with the video or the film clips that come up, are the actual chase scenes like, uh, and I, I mean, uh, I guess actual car chases that come up, you know? So like, you know, something happens out in LA, and they right away are on the car chase scene with the helicopters overhead, and you know the the reporters that that kind of do the play by play, right? Uh huh. And I think that rarely is a real chase scene quite as dramatic as a movie chase scene, and that has a lot to do with, of course, you know, being able to manipulate it afterwards, you know, with the the right camera angles and footage, et cetera. So I think that maybe only the people involved in the chase itself, like a real chase, would have any kind of the adrenaline or the feeling that this is like a high speed, you know, exciting chase, I suppose, if you can call it that. I know it's dangerous, uh, but it just doesn't have that same effect when you see a helicopter shot from, you know, a thousand feet up above, you know, on a freeway. The car is going 120 miles an hour, but eh, it doesn't really look all that exciting. It's not like watching a a, a bus jump and, you know an open section of a freeway or something like
3: that. Yeah, well that's why of course uh that in a filmed car chase or in a fictional car chase the so much of the camera work points right back at the people driving mm-hmm. so you can communicate their excitement. I also noticed a lot of I want to go back to something you said earlier. I also noticed a lot of Themes, not just the demolition derby which you mentioned at the top there uh which, which is totally a real thing folks and i think if you look back on some of your favorite chases of yesteryear you will notice this as well but there are other themes that happen in modern car chases what we have found is that more often than not there are you know like one to five maybe people pursuing or other vehicles pursuing the hero's vehicle uh two of which typically end up falling off the chase somehow early on. And you can tell when you're watching the chase, you can tell who's going to be the main antagonist car, right? Sure. Or in some cases, you know, uh, a Jeep or a Land Rover, or maybe even, I don't know, a tank. And uh, then you can also tell the people who are going to slide off early. You can... You can also tell about a, um, about the focus of a film based entirely on the condition of the protagonist car toward the end of the chase. Like, James Bond, God bless the man, cannot save a car worth his life. I mean, he will, he will walk away from any accident. But that guy goes through like five cars a week. Aston Martin's
2: completely destroyed every time.
3: Yeah. I mean, I would love to see some of his less spectacular driving, not where he's being chased, but where he's just, you know, trying to parallel park and ends up killing three people. <laughs> it and,
2: seems seems like that would be the case, doesn't it?
3: Mm-hmm, but yeah. then we also have other movies, for instance, like uh, The Transporter, which we can talk about a little bit more in depth, where the movie is... Also about the car, you know, it's about the guy in the car. So sure, it's the main character, right? So you see his precision driving. Yeah, cars do get messed up in the transporter franchise, but in general, one of his big things is that he takes good care of his car. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, um, so it does so, differ yeah. in that way. It does differ. And you can, you can see, uh, different tropes or themes in car chases. What I would, like to end on uh, ultimately at the at the end of this show is a question for our listeners but I don't want to spoil it li- yet so listen carefully there's going to be something like a quiz at the end scott what's your first pick
2: all right ben i'll jump right in with uh here's a, a popular one bullet and ben this is probably like one of uh you know the big screens all time uh, well-known chase scenes. I think a lot of people point to Bullet as maybe being one of the best chase oh,
3: scenes. Uh, and the first modern car chase and scene.
2: I, and I'm going to hold off on saying that it's my favorite or anything like okay. that. I mean, it's 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 right up there, but I don't know, after watching so many of these, I don't know if I can really qualify this as my favorite, but uh, the chase sequences, sometimes at up to 110 miles per hour in San Francisco, yeah. which is insane. I mean, they really were driving 110 miles an hour. I think the the director had... Called for speeds to be somewhere between 75 and 80, and they pushed it up to 110 mm-hmm. at some points in here. But, um, it's a full 10 minute sequence that was well, it's filmed- almost 11 minutes, no, almost 11 minutes. Okay. Yeah. That was filmed basically with, uh, handheld cameras and, and, mm-hmm. you know, chases up and down these
3: really narrow, steep, steep streets. Have you ever driven in San Francisco? Uh, yeah. It's, he goes, uh, he starts at Fisherman's Wharf, right? Yeah. And, uh, he goes through the, <laughs> I'm going to say it. I know where family shows so part of my French, but these are just hellish streets. Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you I just asked if you ever yeah. Driven yeah, there, yeah. But when you're driving. I mean, when you could be sitting in a light and you can't see the street above you, you know, if you're sitting yeah. uphill, you can't see the street. You know, it's above the front of the car, or below the front of the car, rather. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other the other way is if you're headed downhill, you can't. I mean, the, the street fills your entire windshield. It's, it's bizarre. It's really strange driving. I. I've long maintained the idea that I could move to San Francisco uh-huh. and I could open a shop that just specialized in clutches and brakes and make a fortune. Oh, you could. Yeah. I think it would. I, I really do. I mean, I think that's a, a money-making venture there. I mean, it's got to eat a clutch. Yeah, it certainly does. So these streets are in, intensely steep. Yeah, And, and they uh, also curve a lot. Oh, yeah. Lots of curves, of course. Yeah. And, um... Okay so there's two cars it's it's a uh, big V8 muscle cars right I mean we're talking about a um a 1968 four-speed Ford Mustang GT Fastback that's driven by Bullet uh-huh and also there and he's in pursuit of a black 1968 four-speed Dodge Charger 440 RT mm-hmm. and uh it's just a fantastic scene and I think the thing that maybe most impresses me about this whole scene is that it's almost all natural sound or maybe edited in sound but it, there's
3: no music score right it's more, way more grounded and realistic because yeah. of that yeah um can we talk a little bit about the route the route yeah sure okay so uh it starts in Fisherman's Wharf area but uh if you if you notice uh bullet first sees the uh hitman following him while he's driving west on what today is called Caesar Chavez so he's at the corner of Columbus and Chestnut uh when this when this actually Begins and, and follow along with me here. I don't want to overcomplicate it, but, um, they, they go around, uh, Midtown, Hyde, Laguna. Uh, you see some shots in the background of some famous landmarks, uh, to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're around Filbert and University F- Street and this, the chase itself ends in the Guadalupe Canyon Parkway in Brisbane, California. But here's the thing, Scott.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: If we follow that route, uh, and if the chasing is in real time, and it takes 10 minutes and 53 seconds or whatever, then the kicker is, that it is physically impossible for a car to take that route in that amount of time, even if they're going 110 miles an hour. Awesome. Creative editing. Even at, yeah. even at 110. Even at 110, man. Oh, my
2: gosh. Okay, and there's lots of times when it's much slower, and, of course, there's some, uh, some crashes, some uh, right. some misturns, some yeah. uh, you know, reverse burnouts and things like that that have to happen. And you know what? I'd like to dispel, since I just said reverse burnouts, I think there was one it was left in that was kind of unintentional you know the director didn't intend that to happen uh, mcqueen does a reverse burnout in his mustang and they leave it in the film and uh, just one quick thing here is that yeah there's a there's a common rumor out there that steve mcqueen did all of his own driving in that whole scene uh, yeah it turns out not a lot of it, of it was really him it was right. only about i think a lot of people say that it was only about 10% of the driving was actually done by mcqueen during that scene so here's what happened uh, early on in the filming you know, at the beginning of the, uh, the chasing, because it took a while to film the chasing itself, right? Uh, there was a collision. I think Steve McQueen actually drove into a parked vehicle, you know, when he was trying to do these stunts. Oh. And his wife became very upset with this, right? She didn't want him to be in danger doing this thing, because it was going to be uh, exponentially more dangerous as the shooting progressed, you know, mm-hmm. as they were doing some of the jumping scenes and things like the sliding and round turns and things mm-hmm. at high, high speeds. So uh, she begged Peter Yates, who was the uh, director, to, uh, to use stunt drivers after that point. And McQueen, of course, wanted to do the driving, but they put uh, Bud Eakins in the seat. And Bud Eakins right. was a motorcycle rider from, well, there's a lot to Bud Eakins' story, but uh, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. He's the founder of the Baja 1000, I believe. Right, yeah. And um, anyway, so Bud Eakins was sitting in the driver's seat of the Mustang at one point when uh, McQueen approached, and he was super upset with this because he thought he was going to be doing all the driving. Of course, yeah. he was really you know, jacked about doing all that, right? So uh he was kind of upset with not being able to do it but uh the other thing is that there was supposed to be a, mu- a music score that was supposed to accompany the scene but uh no music was added at the end because uh they felt that the engine sound the tires etc was uh was just too good to cover up once they realized what they had when they got into the uh you know the editing suite
3: uh-huh. They also, uh, you know, you said that McQueen himself is an accomplished driver. Yes, right? he is. And uh, he is driving in those close-up scenes. Yes. That's gotcha. the 10%. Yeah, that's about the
2: 10%. And they, they mentioned that he, when he was driving, he tried to stay as close to the edge of the window as he could so that people could actually see him behind the wheel of the Mustang. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, 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 is that vain? I don't know. I mean, I think he really wanted them to know he was there. And one last thing on this before we move on, because there's uh-huh. a lot more films to cover. Right. One thing that's noticeably noticeably missing from this whole film or from the scene I guess, yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge. Ah, and why yes. wouldn't they use the Golden Gate Bridge? I mean, it's so iconic right there in uh in San Francisco, right? Oh, uh, they uh it turns out that Uncle Sam shut up down or uh City Hall. Well, yeah, I mean, access was denied, I guess to film anywhere on or near the bridge, right? So, um, you know, all these permits come into play later in some of these other films, but they had permits to work in San Francisco. And they did with it what they could, and I, I think they did a fantastic job. It was a great scene.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, just to follow up on the history of the cars as we move on. Uh, so one of, they used those two Mustangs. One of the two Mustangs was scrapped after they filmed because it was just so beat up. They were worried about liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was sold to get this guy, an employee at Warner Brothers. Hmm. The car changed hands a couple times, and then in 77, McQueen tried to buy it back. Unsuccessfully.
2: Unsuccessfully.
3: Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's not, we're not sure where this last remaining Mustang from Bullet is, but it's rumored to be in the hands of a private owner somewhere in the Ohio River Valley. Oh, I like stories like that. I know. Yeah. I always do. So let us know if you have, if you yourself live in the Ohio River Valley and you see uh, somebody who seems to be secretly tinkering yeah. on a Mustang. Or
2: taking it out for a weekend drive when
3: they think no one's watching. But leaning close to the window so you can see that it's them driving. <laughs>
2: <laughs> What's next? All right, next. Um, you know what, I've got a pair here that I'd like to mention at the same time. Uh, the Italian job. Uh, from the first one from 1969 and then the remake in 2003. And I, um, I just watched this this morning just to kind of get, uh, back up to speed on what was going on with this, I guess. Right. And it's a heist film, of course, yeah. uh, which I love by the way. That's, uh, it's one of my favorite types of films to watch. Um, and the thing is about the original, um, the original chasing, it's kind of funny too. It's not just, you know, it's not just all action and quick cuts uh-huh. and everything. It's a little bit funny because, the idea that these tiny little cars could go anywhere they wanted to i mean they ended up um you know going up and down stairs they uh, ended up in a uh, like a covered mall area sliding on you know the the tiled floors and i think there was even somebody mopping so it was even more slick uh so they're doing a lot of sliding around inside this uh, you know this this covered mall area um also they were in subway stations they ended up on rooftops which is really pretty amazing um one rooftop that they ended up on famously was the uh the fiat factory in turin now, uh, the headquarters, they have a track, a test track on top of the building there. And they did a full lap of that uh, during the film. It was kind of cool.
3: Yeah. What's interesting here, and I'm glad you brought up this this point, Scott, is that we're going to have a couple of other reboots on our or remakes, rather, on our list. Mm-hmm. And I love that the one thing they always keep is the car chase. Yeah. And you know what?
2: I didn't even say it up front because I thought everybody just knows this. I, I just assumed everybody knows they used minis for this. They used a red, yeah, white, yeah. Uh, used a red, white, and blue mini, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to be patriotic, I guess, for, for Britain, <laughs> right? And uh, the funny thing is, um, you know, uh, these BMC cars, uh, British Motor Corporation, BMC actually refused to donate cars for the film because they didn't know if it was going to be successful or not or how they would be portrayed or, you know, whatever. And Fiat decided that they wanted to donate cars. And they were going to use, uh, they said, well, it's being shot in Italy and we'd love to help you out here. Why don't, how about you use uh, Fiat 500s? for you know all these chasings for the for the main focus cars and they said well this is really a british film i think we're going to stick with the minis even though they're not going to donate the cars so Mm -hmm. they went with the mini instead and uh you know the rest is history because there were a lot of fiats in the background if you notice most of the other background vehicles (laughs) in that that film are fiats and that's for good reason because fiat was so excited to be part of this film and bmc wasn't necessarily but they ended up with the starring role
1: Emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry, as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Davlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's strange, but also one thing that I really enjoy about this is that it shows... How much more creative directors can be when they have uh, unusual cars, you yeah. know, and unusual circumstances, and unusual circumstances. Because here's
2: here's one unusual circumstance, Ben. Mm. Um, <laughs> this is something that you might not know, and I'll tell you I'll tell you where I'm getting some of these little trivia facts. I went to IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, yes sir, and just searched the name of the film and trivia, and it will come up with uh, 25 or 30 points. You know, a lot of them. Of course, we're talking about films where. Car chases are central focuses, you know, of that film. You know, there's amazing car chase scenes. Yeah. So a lot of the points there in that trivia will relate to that car chase scene. And I find it really, really interesting to go through there. But one of the interesting points there was that the Italian mafia showed up while they were in town shooting this in, in Turin. And they actually shut down the roads, Um, you know, not the... So the authorities had nothing to do with this. The, the Italian mafia shut down the roads and all those traffic scenes that you see because there's incredible congestion in the city. Right. And... All those were actually, like, really happening. That was like a real traffic jam, and the people in it were just real people, not actors, (laughs) and then not not extras or anything like that. So they're super frustrated. I mean, it's absolute gridlock. People are out of their cars, they're frustrated, and all of that emotion, everything is real in that film. Wow, that's great. I know it's neat, isn't it? All that stuff, you know, we're going to find a lot of things like that where... You know, permits weren't pulled, or you know, uh, uh, the authorities wouldn't cooperate. Sure. You know, things like, or they would cooperate, and there was uh, some some great benefits from that. Or too.
3: the directors took crazy risk, which uh, if you're if you're okay with it, brings us to another one: The French Connection, nineteen seventy one, yes. right? Yes. William Friedkin or Friedkin. Uh, the uh, here's the thing he did. He had uh, the driver was uh, Bill Hickman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bill Hickman was a a veteran stunt driver. Uh, and he helped, uh, compose the choreography of this chasing, which is amazing if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's the weird thing. In, in this film, in the chase, uh, the character played by Gene Hackman takes over a Pontiac Lamont and chases an elevated train. Yes, this is so cool. It's a car. Well, there's a chase on the train. Uh-huh. There's a foot chase on the train. Yep.
2: And then there's a car chasing the train from below.
3: Yes. And, uh, the, the weird thing here is that, uh, William, um, Friedkin, the director, uh, made the, made Bill Hickman drive 90 miles per hour for 26 blocks of Brooklyn without stopping. And he had the director and the cameraman in the back seat. And the director said later, he said, I would never do anything like that again. It's a good scene, but I was foolish. It's a
2: fantastic scene. It it's is. So, and you know what? This is not the first time that we'll see. Well, actually, this is the first time in this podcast that we'll see uh, a chase happening under an elevated train. And I, I've, I've been thinking about why they use this. I mean, it's really dramatic when you see it because it gives you such a sensation of speed uh, from the driver point of view and from, you know, just anybody watching outside because um, of the, those, enormous iron poles that hold the train up, you know, the elevated train platform up. Right. And yeah. uh, so you get a real sensation of speed. It's not like you're out on an open road. And you could be going 120, and it doesn't really seem that way. Uh, this is, I mean, you really feel like you're going 120 or even faster. And you said they were driving 90 through, uh, through Brooklyn, Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Okay, the thing about this that makes it even more incredible is that there were no proper permits pulled for this film. No. So they had no authority to be doing this. they If the police saw them, they're in big trouble. That's the way right. it works, right? Probably the car impounded, you know, the haul off to jail, whatever. Yeah. Um, and because of that, there was actually one, at least one real crash that happened during this filming. And the real crash, it happens, and I just watched it again this morning, about three minutes into the crash scene, if you search it, you know, on YouTube or wherever, about three minutes into the, the scene, there's a crash at an intersection, Um I can give you the names, but it doesn't really matter, but... Um, the crash was real and unplanned. The guy, the, the white car that the, uh, that Gene Hackman supposedly, uh, Popeye Doyle crashes into with his, um, he's driving, what is he driving? He's driving a brown Pontiac Le Mans, uh-huh. I think, a 1971. Yeah. And, uh, he smashes into the front end of this. It's kind of like a glancing blow, but man, there's heavy damage to both cars. That was absolutely real. The guy in the white car had just left his house a few blocks prior. Wow. Out for, you know, I don't know if he's going to work or where he's going, but, um, Completely, you know, unknowing that you know this this chasing is happening, and uh, you know they ran a red light or whatever, it smashed into him, heavy damage to both cars, but they left it in the film, and as as happens with a lot of these films, right? And I know that the uh, you know later they said that you know everybody was fine, no one really got you know a couple bumps and bruises and stuff, and you know shaken up, but uh, the studios did pay for the damages to the guy's car, so it wasn't like you know completely a wash. You know, for this guy, he didn't just totally ruin his life or anything like that. But um, and now he's starring in a film, yeah, or a right. film chase yeah. scene,
3: anyways. But uh, the the studio better pay for it. It's pretty lucky. Well, sure,
2: and they had some help from off-duty New York City police officers, which right. also is pretty interesting, right? Because the city won't give them permits, but they went kind of the the backdoor route, and they said, well, let's let's get somebody who knows the city, and they can maybe, you know, uh, you know, uh, I guess. Manage traffic for us, I guess. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Manage traffic because yeah. they can shut it down as the car passes at ninety, and then let everybody go. And you know, the, there's no harm,
3: right? It's like a rolling temporary shutdown. I guess so. Yeah. And there's so many unplanned
2: little things that happen in these films. Like, but one thing that was planned, and they they they're careful to point this out, is that the um, there's a scene where he narrowly misses a woman who's pushing a baby carriage. Yeah, and that was very well choreographed and very well planned out. That wasn't by accident. So. Uh, you know everyone I, be at ease yeah yeah because i think a lot of people are a bit outraged when they hear that you know this is mostly a real chase a real right. chasing mostly mm-hmm. um and and when they see that
3: scene because it is a narrow narrow miss and uh, it was definitely well scripted so i'm going to go to this next one just because it has the same director uh french connection was in 71 in 1985. He went on to try to top his car chase with a little film called To Live and Die in LA. Oh, okay. So this is one I did not investigate. Oh, okay. Well, this one, this one's interesting. So I'm just going to talk about the car chase itself. Okay. Uh, so there's this guy, a Secret Service agent. His name's William Peterson. He's driving a Chevy Impala the wrong way down a freeway trying to dodge gunmen. Of course he was. So the director reversed the traffic flow to um, get this desired effect of this Impala going the wrong way, and you know that's one of the most exciting and frightening things to see in a in a filmed car chase or in real life, which I've seen a couple times, is a car driving the wrong way on the interstate. You've seen that in real life. I've seen it in real life. That's, you know, what, it's funny. Since I've moved
2: here to Atlanta, I have heard about this on the news, and often it ends horribly yeah Uh, somebody enters the freeway on the off-ramp and uh, and and it's a disaster I mean it happens at night it happens you know when there's uh, limited visibility something like that or or drugs or alcohol involved whatever sure um, it always ends poorly for for both drivers because someone's going to contact that car
3: yeah luckily the two times I had seen it over my time living here it had just been it was late at night yeah uh, fairly fairly empty on the roadways or very light traffic and i didn't see i didn't see an accident but i i freaked out and i got off the interstate later because you know the next exit i've decided this is no longer the place for me is there a moment where you thought am i going the right way
2: yeah oh absolutely just, just for a second i mean if it's if it's pretty open and you're not you know you don't see a lot of cars going the same direction as you mm-hmm. do you think just for one moment like oh no <laughs> you, know, you quickly check which is your left and which is your right, right? of course yeah. yeah
3: it's that same kind of um perspective check that happens if you are maybe at a red light in the center lane and uh, the light turns green and you don't see the light but you the cars to your left and right are moving at the same time and you wonder if you're going backwards oh yeah
2: yeah yeah i've seen that or like they're they're slightly rolling or something yeah it's, Yeah. uh, it's definitely messes with your mind
3: but uh speaking of messing with the mind uh he did another same director did another film called uh, Jade, which is a thriller, but not for kids. Okay, it's a little racy. Um, and the, this car chase features a Chinese New Year parade. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, which, by the way, Happy Lunar New Year, Scott. I guess it did just recently occur.
2: Oh, thank you. Likewise, Ben.
3: Oh, thank you. Um, but that that third car chase wasn't the most successful uh, leading many people to vote for the French Connection as this director's best car chase of all time. Hmm.
2: All right, you know I want to take just one minute to mention a, just a couple that yeah. I I believe I think we talked about these maybe during our again our Netflix uh, selections. And I just want to mention them for maybe thirty seconds and be done with them. Absolutely. But how could we not mention a movie called The Last Chase? And do you remember what <laughs> The Last Chase was? And I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you remember what that was or not? Uh,
3: the Last Chase. The Last man. Chase.
2: Uh, if you don't, that's okay because it was pretty obscure.
3: Wait, wait. Was this science fiction? It is, yes. Okay, what happened? Okay. That's, <laughs> that's why, like all I remember. Here's about. why I
2: have to give this a mention. This is uh this is with Lee Majors, who the guy who played, you know, the six million dollar man. Yeah. And uh Burgess Meredith, who was uh, you know, later in life he was the uh the trainer for bo- you know, for boxing star Well, is that right? Boxing star? Boxing champion Rocky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's an awkward way to say that. But uh <laughs> during during all the Rocky films, you know, he's the old guy. He's Mickey, right? Mm-hmm. Or Mick. Mick. And um <laughs> so Lee Majors is a retired race car driver, and um, he's got this, like, pieces of a Porsche 917 in his garage, like a Can-Am spider car that of his old car that's still left over, but it's in pieces. And there's some kind of crisis going on where there's no oil left, or there's, uh, you know, it's being very, very restricted, I think. And maybe it's no oil. And Burgess Meredith is, is, like, hired by the government to kind of chase him down as he tries to make it across the country in this race car, in this Porsche race car, uh, with his son. He's trying to make it all the way to California because California is, is the free country at this point, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's where the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the last remnants of society, of yeah, yeah, exactly right. A democracy. That's a better way to say it. So it's, it's a Porsche 917 Can-Am Spider being chased by a jet flown by Burgess Meredith. And he's shooting, he's shooting stuff at him like he's shooting him with, you know, the, the, you know, the straight guns and everything, but he's also shooting him with, I think it was lasers.
3: Yeah, it was a laser cannon. Yeah, <laughs> cool to
2: say. It's such a, it's a corny film, and it is, but but how often are you going to get to see a 917 KM Spider on roads, like on regular, like, backcountry roads? It's amazing. It's really cool to I see. I mean, it takes the fall of civilization. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another one real quickly. It's a, It's a Ron Howard film called Eat My Dust. And he's driving oh. a uh, super Stalker. Yeah, yeah. He stole yeah. it, you know, to impress some girl. And the I police, this one. the whole movie, they're chasing him uh, in this like 700 horsepower Camaro uh, with lots of police cars. And mm. there were a bunch of Ron Howard films, like just after his Happy Days run, that uh, that he starred in, that were like a lot of chase scenes and, and demolition type uh, type accidents. Because he's a mentioned. car guy, right? He really is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, right up through his, what, I don't know if it's his latest movie, but mm. uh, that, that one he directed called Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's definitely a car guy. Um, Yeah, interesting, I
3: don't know, just a a few interesting ones from our past. Oh, wait. You know what, Scott? I hate to be a bummer, but I just realized something. What? We're going to have to make this a two-parter. Oh, I knew you were going to say that because we're we're
2: getting kind of long here, and I've got a stack of stuff in front of me, and there are a few in here that I'd like to spend a little bit more time on.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and the same on my end. So let's go ahead and head out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for part two of our podcast. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, CarStuffShow.com, and, of course, write directly to our email address. We are CarStuff at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast.
3: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the Kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
0: Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through.